Good morning. Hey, it's uh, great to be back here again. I was here a few months ago. If you remember, it was right after we had that, that big snowstorm. Remember the 30 inches we had? Who, who remembers the 30 inches, right? And I said, yeah, that, that was a lot of snow, right? Um, but I'm from Buffalo, all right? So 30 inches to me, that was like a dusting. You remember that? Um, you know, and I... And here, here we are, it's uh, Memorial Day weekend, the, the unofficial start of summer, right? So I used to love growing up as a kid when the, the one week of summer came to Buffalo. It was awesome. We could take our, our snowsuits off and actually there were a few days we could even wear short sleeves. It was uh, pretty nice. But the best part about summer was just having those picnics and, and playing capture the flag on the big piles of snow still in the, um, in the parking lots. That was always a, a huge blessing for me. Um, as much as I love summer, there is a part of summer that I just really dread, though. And um, some of you guys may appreciate what I mean by this, because you know the, the NFL has been done for a few months now. The NBA and the NHL are basically finishing up their championships here in a couple weeks. So we enter this sports doldrums, right? Come on, who's with me here? Where you're just like baseball that's all there is right now and I'm, I'm an O's fan so you know I, I'm okay with that but um, it's just this this desolate dead there's these tumbleweeds rolling through and I'm just counting the days until the Bills my Buffalo Bills start their training camp on July 30th 62 days to go until till that starts so I do love watching football I love um, watching my Bills and I have two favorite teams Basically, who, the, the Buffalo Bills and then whoever is playing the New England Patriots, right? <laughs> Amy, okay. Um, Amy and I have had words a few times. Um, personally, I just cannot stand the Patriots. Cannot stand them. Now, when I'm playing, now the stage tends to add about 200 pounds, so you may not realize that uh, I'm actually kind of a little guy. I love in the, the video it says, when you're little, you think you can do anything. I'm like... I am still little. What do you mean? Um, so anyways, I, I, I've got to make up for that when I'm playing with my speed and also with my head. And in the NFL, some of my favorite players are the little guys. Those little guys who can, you know, take that five-yard pass from Tom Brady and just turn it into a, you know, a 30, 40-yard or like Wes Welker, okay? If you, if you follow football at all, these little guys, Julian Edelman, and uh, Danny Amendala. Um, so, Amy, what's consistent with those players? They're all patriots. Ah, what am I doing up here on stage publicly professing my appreciation for these guys? I don't know. But there is another patriot, another little guy that's on the defensive side of the ball that I just, um, he's, he's really one of my heroes. And he's, he's one of these guys that you never even knew about him until the biggest play of the year came. And it was a couple of years ago, two, two Super Bowls ago, Super Bowl, Bowl, Super Bowl 49, when a miracle happened. The Seattle Seahawks were playing them, and they were down by four. And then this miracle catch happens by the Seahawks and basically puts them on the one-yard line uh, with less than 30 seconds to go. Now, the Seahawks have this great running back, a beast, uh, called Marshawn Lynch. He used to be a Buffalo Bill. Um, and there's the curse, uh, but basically the, 
everybody in the whole country was cheering against the Patriots at that, morning, at that moment because it was just coming out of this whole deflate gate thing. And, you know, nobody cheers for the bad guy except the bad guys, okay? And <clears throat> so everybody knows you give the ball to Marshawn Lynch and just let him pound that thing across the line. Everybody knows that. But let's watch what actually happened. Play clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Unreal. Malcolm Butler, who almost made the phenomenal play that wound up in Percy's arms. There are flags on the field for a celebration. Amazing. Butler, a rookie free agent out of West Alabama. They tried to pick play, Al. They tried to go here, but he beats him to the punch. And I'm sorry, but I can't believe the call. Me neither. I cannot believe the call. You've got Marshawn Lynch in the backfield. You've got a guy that's been borderline unstoppable in this part of the field. I can't believe the call. And oh, there is Brady. Yippee, yippee, yippee. As demonstrative as ever, and Richard Sherman. <laughs> that is classic. Um, we showed that in uh, our staff meeting, prepping for the sermon, and Pastor Matt said, I literally have throw up in my mouth right now. <clears throat> as I do as well right now. Um, but... Has anybody ever heard of the University of West Alabama? No, no. And here's this guy, undrafted, nobody, no team wanted him. He started out on the team, the Patriots picked him up, started out as a fifth stringer, and then he ends up playing in the Super Bowl that year. And it wasn't Tom Brady or Rob Gronkowski or some of those really big names that turned out to be the star. Now, they contributed, but it was... 190-pound undrafted Malcolm Butler. I even had to look. What's his name again? Malcolm Butler, okay? Steals the show, and he stepped up and did what had to be done at the right time. Score one for the little guy, yeah. Okay, so today's message also is about this surprise hero that just comes out of nowhere and steps up and does what needs to be done. And, you know, doesn't do anything really big, just basically saved the entire nation of Israel from complete annihilation. Okay, wow. Um, so we're finishing up this I see in you series. I see in you. When God says, I see in you more than you see in yourself. And, you know, those are four letters that when God speaks those into your name or into your life, it, it just literally changes everything. So the setting of the story is basically about 2,500 years ago. 2,500 years ago, in the uh, capital city of, of the Persian Empire called Susa. And that's basically anchored in modern-day Iran right now. There's a reason why the Persian Gulf is called the Persian Gulf, because uh, that's, the Persian Empire was, was anchored there. And it's about this young woman named Esther. Now, she was from the Israelites, the, the, the same people, God's chosen people that, that we've already talked about, that Abraham, Isaac, Jacob... Uh, Moses and Jonah, they all came from, um, they were all the 
the roots or came from the Israelites. And now the Persians were particularly powerful people. Their empire stretched from basically India to the Mediterranean Sea and into northern Africa. So it huge, covered all of the Middle East and then some. And the king was very proud of this. So the king was very proud that his Persians were particularly powerful people with a lot of property. So he decided to throw a party. Okay? Persians loved to party. And this proud Persian politician threw a prolonged pajama party for six months for his particularly powerful people with a lot of properties. Whew, that's enough peace. Um, they probably did have pizza, too. Uh, throw last, that one in there. Uh, but this is where we pick up the story. And God places Esther at the right place at the right time. And I think it's a story that we can all relate to. Because initially, you know, Esther was not really sure what she could do. She just finds herself in this predicament and, and um, not really sure what she can do. But her cousin Mordecai, he, he basically raised her and he was able to see God has placed you here for a reason. And so we can learn a lot from this to understand not just what God might be saying to us, but how God speaks to us as well. And uh, if you could, please take out your, your worship guide, out of your worship guide here, your, your outline. And what I want to talk about here is this first point, that God's I see in you comes to you where you are. God's I see in you comes to you where you are. I've got a good friend that says, wherever you go, there you are. So wherever you go, that's where God's going to bring the IC and you to you. So basically, the king of Persia, King, uh, king Ahasuerus, he takes, during this six-month party, at some point he takes all of the guys to part of the palace. And basically, they all get drunk. So here's the king and his buds, and they're all drunk. Now, when guys get drunk, guess what they start doing? They start bragging, and they start bragging about their women, their wives. And so these guys are saying, well, my wife's a hottie. And King Ahasuerus says, well, you know what? My wife's hotter than your wife. And of course, everybody's going to be like, oh, uh, he's the king, right? But he says, I'm going to show you. And he, he sends for his wife, Vashti. And basically what he's saying is, Vashti, come and introduce yourself to these men. Now, when he's saying that, he's not saying, come say hi, I'm Vashti. What he wanted her to do was basically do a, a dance of some sort. Um, and she was not too keen on that. So she says, no. Well, you don't say that to the king of Persia. I don't care who you are. So he's drunk still. And his buds are saying, oh, yeah, so where's that wife of yours, that hottie wife, right? And the, he says, so what do you guys think I should do? So first off, when you're the, the king, you shouldn't be asking for advice from drunk guys. But basically, basically they say, you, gotta make a, you have to make an example of her. Kick her to the curb. So he's like, that's a great idea. So he lays out this decree that says she can never come into my presence anymore. She is banished from the kingdom. 
So it's done. And then we don't quite know how long, maybe it was a week, maybe it was a month, but he sobers up and he starts missing Vashti. Well, there's a big surprise. She was your wife, buddy. Um, but so he goes back to his buds, really wise here, king. And he says, guys, I'm really bummed here. And they say, oh, we'll cheer you up. Here's what you got to do. Instead of saying, go back to Vashti, they say, have a pageant, a Miss Persia pageant, and find your next wife by just getting all the young girls and taking your pick. That's another real wise thing to do there. So that was actually the start of the reality TV show, The Bachelor. You may have seen it. It's got its roots in Persia, okay? But really what we see here is this, this guy is just not surrounding himself with wise advisors. And thankfully, our politicians today don't follow that suit at all. Um, but so he, what happens now is you have Esther and Mordecai, and they are exiled. The, the nation of Israel had been uh, defeated, and they were basically scattered throughout the, the Middle East at that point. And... Uh, Mordecai and Esther are living in the capital city of Susa. And Esther is actually not using her real name. She's hiding her identity as a, as a Jew. Her real name was Hadassah, Hadassah. But Esther is a Persian name, which means star. It means star, bright one. And what happens then is the Persians start to round up all of the young women. They, they round up all of the young women to parade basically before the king. And um, over the course of a year, they're preparing these women for presentation to, to the king. And Esther, if you look in your outline, you'll see this, this verse. It says, Esther won the favor of everyone who saw her. Now, you've got to understand, she was probably taken against her will. This was probably not something that she wanted to sign up for. And yet in light of this, this, this type of persecution, and in a secret identity, she's going by Esther, not by her, her given uh, Jewish name, she's winning the favor of everyone who saw her. Now, and it's not just based on physical beauty, because they were bringing all of the beautiful women. It was, there was something else that was going on here, something in her attitude, maybe, maybe her faith in God that he was in control even in, in light of these circumstances. And that's definitely something that we can hold on to, that even in light of whatever is going on, if we hold on to God and that he's in control, we can carry ourselves in a different way. And that's, that's what Esther was doing. So, so what we see here now is, is quite a, interesting. And, and this is almost like that, that undrafted guy being on the, on the field for the Super Bowl. Esther, basically, she's, she's got a shot here because... The, the guys that were picking who would really um, be presented, she basically was their number one draft pick, all right? They're like, man, Esther, she's, she's probably going to be the one. Now, here's what's really interesting about Esther, in the book of Esther. The name or the word God or any of the names for God, such as Yahweh or Jehovah or something like that, is not mentioned anywhere in all 12 chapters of the book of Esther. And yet, his hand is throughout the whole thing. It is the only book of the Bible that Esther is not mentioned. It's very interesting. Or, I'm sorry, that God, God is not mentioned. So, now, 
we see God's hand all over it, though, because Esther actually becomes king. Uh, Esther becomes queen, and obviously God ordained that. And the rest of the story is that they all lived happily ever after. So that's the end of the sermon. Let's pray and go home. No, no, uh, that's not how it ends. What happens then is a bad guy comes into, um, into play here. Probably would have been a Patriots fan. Um, but his name is Haman. And Haman has this huge beef with Mordecai, Esther's cousin, because Mordecai would not bow down and worship Haman when he saw him in the streets. Um, Haman was the second in command, basically, in the Persian Empire. And he felt that, and he was told that people should worship him. Uh, But uh, Mordecai would not. So Haman goes to the king and says, look, I want to... I want to wipe out all these Jews. Can't stand them. Uh, and you see the verse that it says in Esther 3.9, Haman says to the king, if it pleases the king, let a decree be issued to destroy them, uh, meaning all of the Jews. If it pleases the king, let a decree be issued to destroy them. So the king says, yeah, okay, sounds good. Now let's, let's take a look at the map of where uh, the Persian Empire stretched here. Again, this is, this is huge. This is, this is huge. From India to the, the Mediterranean, and, and where it says Judea is basically where the nation of Israel was still centered at that point. They were allowed to return and begin uh, rebuilding Jerusalem and things like that. So Haman is saying, I want to wipe out all of these Jews throughout the whole of our empire, and the king approves it and passes this decree. So Sometimes people say, you know, understanding the Old Testament really isn't that big a deal for Christians. Just focus on the New Testament. But here's what would have happened if this decree had, had been carried out, is that the Jews would have been gone. So with no Jews, there's no Jesus born. There's no Bethlehem. There's no singing at Christmas time, oh, little town of Bethlehem, right? Because it doesn't happen. So this, this event, the, these uh, things playing out, is crucial to our lives today as Christians. Um, but the king goes on and he says, yep, make it so. Now, at this point, remember, Esther, she was, she was living her life in secret still as a Jew. So he doesn't realize the implication of that in his personal life. Now, you might be saying, well, okay, so what? Why doesn't Esther just go to him? and explain, and then he'll just make it all right and take back his decree. Well, the problem was, at that point, you could not repeal what the king said. The king was considered a god. So if he said it, it was the gospel, and it had to happen. So he couldn't just say, oh, guys, I made a mistake. I don't actually want it to be that way. Um, No, he couldn't do that. So that was stuck. And then the other thing is, nobody could go to the king uninvited, not even his wife. And if he didn't want to hear you, she'd be killed. So, wives, be thankful that you can go up to your husband anytime you want and say whatever you want to say, even though he might not be listening. Um, But this was not the case for Esther. She's in this huge dilemma. But here's what she says. She thinks about it. And she sends a message to Mordecai and says, well, at least maybe I can save myself. 
And uh, you see here in Esther 4.13, this is where Esther's I see in you moment comes. Because uh, Mordecai says, you know what? Don't think for a second. Don't think for a second that just because you're in the king's house, you alone will escape. For if you remain silent, relief and deliverance will arise. But you and your family, your father's family will perish. But here's the I see in you moment. But who knows that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this? Her, her cousin Mordecai basically says, Esther, you are who you are and you are where you are for a reason. And this is in God's perfect timing. So, you know, we've talked about Abraham, we've talked about Moses, we've talked about Jonah in these series. And through that, God has spoken directly to these guys. He's... He's spoken directly and in these amazing ways through a burning bush and all this stuff. Well, we don't see that here with Esther. Remember, the name of God is not even mentioned in the book. But what we do see is a godly man speaking on God's behalf and delivering God's message to Esther. And we we have to wonder, are we open to that? Are we willing to hear God speak through other people? Um, Well, I think that we all do have these ICNU moments coming, and not just as individuals, but as a church as well. God has a purpose. He's got a plan for us, and he sees in us things that we can do. And last week, we did something. We had a lot of fun. We, um, we ran a 5K race, some of us, and we walked, and, and we had a great worship um, service last week at the, Har- at the Harrisburg Hilton. And um, let's, let's just watch a little uh, video clip of uh, some of that action from last week. I woke up this morning, saw a world full of trouble now. I thought, how do we ever get so far down? And how's it ever gonna turn around? So I turned my eyes to heaven. I thought, God, why don't you do something? Well, I just couldn't bear the thought of people living in poverty, children sold into slavery. The thought disgusted me, so I shook my fist at heaven. Said God, why don't you do something? He said I did. Yeah. I created you. <laughs> now listen. If not us, then who? If not me and you, right now. Well, it's time for us to do something. time for us to do something and uh, hopefully you caught it at the end we raised uh, almost $7,200 for the Great Commission Fund which is to support 
our international workers going out and spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. And we want to give you another opportunity to be a part of that. And in your, in your worship guide, you have this um, informational brochure and also an envelope that we would really want you to consider that perhaps that's part of your ICNU moment, that God has gifted you, he's resourced you for a reason, and that um, you can continue to be a part of that because it's amazing how many people around the world still do not have even access to, uh, to a local church or even, even the Bible, but um, we can be a part of making that happen. So please consider um, making a donation towards that in this uh, today or sometime over the next couple of weeks. So what we see in that, though, is that God is using us as a church and desires to continue using us both locally and globally. And he's placed us here for a reason, because God is a purposeful God on mission. We see that through the whole of the Bible. We see that through the creation story right from the beginning, that God is a God of order and purpose. So our second point then that you see is God's ICNU comes to you for a reason. It comes to you where you are and for a reason. Um, and, you know, a lot of times it comes through discontent. Have you ever had that, that feeling in your gut where you're just like, something's not quite right or something's not quite in balance in my life? And my wife and I, my family moved here about nine years ago to Pennsylvania. And once I kind of got settled in the lay of the land and I started driving uh, through towns, I started to see this sign that would say, we need volunteers at the local fire department. And I was kind of thinking, hmm, um, you know, I, I actually used to be in the Army. I'm in decent physical shape. Um, maybe I should do that. A little discontented feeling in my gut there, okay? Um, let me come back to that. Well, <clears throat> most of us here today probably aren't really clear on some of those things that we should be doing. What is the reason that God has uh, placed us and created us who we are? Well, do you remember the question God posed uh, in Esther 4.14? Who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this? Well, let me go back to, to Cousin Mordecai. And I, I just want to say to you right now, I wholeheartedly believe Whoever you are, however God's experienced you, one, he's brought you here this morning to hear this message. Um, but the, the thing that it says, he says, you are who you are. You are where you are because God has something he wants to do through you. And I believe that's wholeheartedly true for us here and now today, each and every one of us. Um, you know, in some situations, it's, they're on, they're on the one-yard line, less than 30 seconds left. And we got to, are we, are we ready? Are we in position? Are we reading the play? And are we going to make that interception? Or are we going to say, whoa, eat, uh, eat, uh, time out. I'm, I'm not ready. I got to tie my sneakers or I got to do something, right? Why do we, why do we make excuses like that? Um, we, sometimes we just don't feel ready, right? That's, that's fair. I talked about, driving by the fire department. I'm like, yeah, but that would mean hot stuff. That would mean actually having to fight a fire 
um, I'm not ready for that. Um, maybe it's margin, right? Margin in your life. We all, we all are busy. We've all got stuff to do. And it, I wrote the phone number down. I'm like, yeah, but yeah, it'll probably take a lot of time. And yeah, right? Or comfort zone. Truth is, did not want to run into a burning building. Anybody else? All right. Um, but you know, basically what I was saying, well, really, nah, I'll, I, I'll, I'm going to do that tomorrow. I'll do it someday. Yeah, I'll, I'll volunteer just someday. It's one of the most dangerous one or two words, I guess, depending on hyphenated or whatever. Someday. Someday I'll do this. Someday I'll do that. Someday I'll get in shape. I'll start working on my marriage. I'll quit smoking. Someday I'll tell somebody about Jesus. Whatever. Someday. And like Esther said, well, maybe I can save my skin. Um, But when Mordecai went back and said, no, it's today. Today is that day. And so Esther said, you know, I think today is that day. But here's what she did. She got word to her friends and family, and she said, please pray and fast with me for three days. This is huge. This is a big deal. We got to take this to God, even though it doesn't say God, but why else fast and pray if you're not praying to God? Um, she said, fast with me. Lift, lift me and this whole situ- situation up in prayer. And they did that. And then she went to the king and she said, here's the deal. These are my people. Please take this back. And he said, well, I can't do that. You know I'm the king, but here's what I can do. I'm going to issue another decree that will let the Jews defend themselves. And he issued that and they did. The Jews defended themselves. They actually brought the the beating on on their enemies and, and they ended up in a much better position after that than they were before, which is awesome, and that's what God does. But the hero of the day was that little Jewish girl named Hadassah, Esther, the star, who realized that God had her where he needed her for that moment. And um, Ephesians 2.10 is one of my most favorite. It's, it really, it's my life, life verse. You see it here on the screen. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. If we can just wrap our head around what that means, that God has prepared in advance for these things. So um, coming to this, my personal ICNU moment and just how God uses the Holy Spirit, as I kept thinking on this, I also was taking a, about the fire department, I, I was taking a, a seminary class as well. And Basically, the, a question came up in this class, and I was, I, this was uh, several years ago now, so I was part of a different church, and the question came up that said, if your church disappeared, how would that impact the community? And that's a hard question to answer. If the Good Hope Road campus of Daybreak Church disappeared, or the whole of Daybreak Church, how would that impact this community right here? Who would care, other than you folks? Right? Would the people down the street say, oh, man, our community just lost a huge part of it? Right? 
So I was asked this question in my seminary class, and I was one of the elders of my church, and I took that to the, uh, the rest of the guys, and I said, what are we going to do about this, guys? This is a hard question, and I'm kind of not feeling that we can answer it in a way that's pleasing to God right now. So why don't we kind of kick some ideas around, then one of the guys says, oh, well, I know the fire chief. And I'm like, uh, I got to go. See ya. So I'm like, okay, God. Um, so I said, well, could you introduce me to him? He said, yeah, I'm having this picnic, and he's already going to be there, so why don't you come, and uh, we can chat. So I go to the picnic. I meet him. He's a guy about my age, and um, we we're just kind of small chatting a little bit, and then I, I just laid it out. I said, look, um, we as a church are kind of realizing we're not doing what we should in the community. And if there was, I can't promise anything, but if there was something that we could do, if there was something we could do to help you, what would it be? And I'm thinking he's going to say, oh man, we got a chicken barbecue coming up. Can you help flip the chickens with us? Or I'm thinking he's going to say, yeah, send some guys down and um, wash the engines with us once a month, you know, and uh, we could check that box. We're being good Christians, right? And he said to me, without skipping a beat, he says, we need help counseling. We need... We need help counseling people as they're watching their life just be destroyed when their house is going up in smoke. And there might even be somebody in there. When their, their loved ones in the car flipped over on the road and we're trying our best to get them out. We need help. We need people just to stand by them on the side of the road. Just to be somebody to them in that moment. And he said, and we need help counseling our firefighters because they have to do things that people should not have to do. I knew that was my ICNU moment. Here's why. Because I'd been an officer in the Army. So I kind of already understand like an organization like that and how it works and, and all that. But I also knew that if I was going to be one of those guys that was going to do those counseling things with the firefighters from the army I knew that the chaplains that they wore the cross on their uniform but they also had the airborne air assault ranger tab on their uniform and they were a soldier of soldiers those were the chaplains that the soldiers listened to and I knew if I was going to be able to talk to firefighters in a way that would make sense to them, that, that they would listen to me, I knew I had to become a firefighter. And it was something that my, my family, we talked about it, we prayed about it, and for five years now I have been a firefighter. So I respond to fire calls, I carry a beeper that you know, when it goes off. I don't know what I'm going into, but I respond as a firefighter, 
but I have my chaplain glasses on too, and I'm looking to uh, see what can I do, how can I be a messenger for God right now. And just yesterday, just yesterday morning, I responded to something that was heartbreaking. It was um, somebody overdosed uh, and died, a young guy, 28 years old, and his girlfriend was just completely distraught at the end of her rope. And um, I was there for about two hours with her and the other, some of the other first responders and things and was able to instill hope that it doesn't have to be this way. And I actually talked to Robin yesterday, Robin Kaplan, one of our uh, staff counselors, care, care people here. And Lord willing, she will make contact with our church to, to get some, some grief counseling and to, who knows, maybe help people, people discover that life-changing journey with Jesus um, because God has opened that door. And over the past five years, I could talk all day of situations like that where God has just allowed me to walk into a situation and just say, I'm Fred, I'm the chaplain, how can I pray for you? How can I help you? And what's amazing is that with the fire department, when the emergency's done, they're on to the next thing. But I can go back. I can go back the next day and the next day or the next week if somebody wants to continue the relationship. And that's where you all will come in, is that there's only one Fred, but there's a lot of daybreak people. And as a church, we can come alongside these folks and provide comfort and love and, again, help them discover that life-changing journey with Jesus. Um, so what I'd like you to do now, as we look at, look at these um, moments that are coming up, and look at, look at these quotes at the bottom of your, your page there. It says, Erwin McManus put it this way, the most spiritual activity you will engage in today is making choices. The divine potential of a moment is unlocked by the choices we make. No matter what kind of life you've lived, no matter how many wrong choices you've made, the next moment is waiting to give birth to new life. And um, I'm just, I'm just going to throw it out there. You know, God, God is bringing these things to you, and you, you will have a choice. I could have said, you know what? God bless you, fire chief. I'll pray about that and not done anything. But I knew there was no turning back for me and my family, and thankfully we all agreed that that was um, what we should do. Um, so we acted on it. And this is what uh, Truett Cathy, the founder of Chick-fil-A, and we all know that Chick-fil-A sandwiches are from heaven. So um, he says, ideas come from God, but they won't keep. They have to be acted on. Folks, you are who you are. You are where you are for such a time as this. And I just want to draw your attention to this card now that's also in your worship guide, this I see in you more than you see in yourself card. And what I'd like to do is just, I'd like just for you to, to challenge you. Uh, just like Esther challenged her friends to fast and to pray about this situation and what she should do. Um, you have blanks here. And I, I want you to hold on to this card, but we're, we're going to give you just a little bit of time right now just to, to start thinking on this. And you see it says, God wants me to bless my blank, my spouse, my children, my parents, my neighbors, coworkers, including boss. Uh, remember, Esther had a good attitude even in the heart of the, the difficulties. Your church, your community. Be praying on what, 
where does he want you to start? God wants me to bless my blank in the next moment, day, week, month, by praying, loving, serving, inviting. I just want to, um, we're going to give you just a moment to, to pray on that um, with some music. But I just want to share with you that I am here because 30 years ago, my family, when I was a teenager, was really struggling. And somebody from the church up the street, a couple miles up the street, came to my dad one day. He was out cutting the grass. And he said, I want you to know we as a church are praying for you and your family. And my dad said, I don't know why you're doing that, but please come in and have a cup of coffee with me. And I'm here because of the prayers of that church 30 years ago. We can be that church. There are so many hurting hurting people out in the world that they don't know where to turn. And we can be that church. So we'll give you a moment here. The music will play, and then I'll close our time with a prayer, and then we'll go into our worship songs. But um, be praying on this and act on it. This is your I see a new moment. Step out for God. <laughs> 